0: I absolutely love this topic. Uh, if, if we had time, I would love to take you all for coffee, a dark roast, black, <laughs> uh, and a bagel. Oh, my God, the bagels are over here. A bagel lightly toasted with butter. And, and we would sit and get acquainted or, or reacquainted. And, and I'd eventually get to this question. So in what way has God gifted you? What spiritual gift or gifts has he entrusted to you and you would answer in any number of ways. Some might say, well, Don, no one's ever asked me that question. I didn't even know it was a question and we could go from there. Or others would say, you know, I'm not sure, but I really enjoyed doing this and that when I'm, you know, in community, it just seems like position I have a disposition. Then still I'll yeah try to meet somebody maybe here. Who would say, "Well, you should ask"? I just published work inside of the spiritual gifts, guess- <laughs> 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 destined to I again, my hope is that uh, we might grow in our appreciation for this rather spectacular kind of aspect of life and community together that we're all gifted to serve and contribute to this the common cause, right? So let me pray for us again, and then we'll Father, we are thankful for the countless gifts that we have received in our lives. We truly thank you so much. We pray for ourselves and for each other that we would not only be a grateful people, but an intentional people, directing our energies in strategic and life giving ways. It's in your powerful name that we pray. My dad was forced to retire early from my grandfather's trucking firm, and uh, it's a business, as the business accountant and bookkeeper, it it's natural that he would take care of or oversee the, the property that was now abandoned. When I was in my 20s, I accompanied him on a tour of the property, and, and it, it stirred up a lot of memories for me. In the oversized garage, I could see the ghost of my Uncle George, uh, covered in overalls, covered in oil. He was the chief mechanic uh, uh, responsible for keeping 25 tractors maintained and on the road, right? And and he'd always be standing there with a a wrench or something I can (laughs) identify in his massive hands. The man had massive, thick hands that were rivaled uh, only by my (laughs) grandfather. And then uh, right next door, the, the spectacles, uh, Uncle Jim and uh, Uncle Lloyd, who were in charge of, of sales, uh, uh, some marketing, and, and just daily operations, would be right there in the office, and, and we'd wave and, and say hello. And you know, one of the things that's so heartbreaking that the business thrived for a long time. The deregulation in the 1970s was the beginning of the end of the business, and, and it broke my grandfather's heart that that business. That he lived to see his business close, right? He never thought that he would see that in his lifetime, but it did. And, and so uh, remembered all of that. And we would kind of run through, I think our uncles were led to see us as kids. We'd run up the stairs to my dad's space on the second floor, offices there. And of course, the desks were long gone, but there was a, on the ancient linoleum floor, there's an imprint of where all those desks used to be. My dad labored there with two secretaries and they handled every single transaction, every debit and credit, accident reports, taxes, all of that, you know, kind of ran through their office. And, and in that moment, but, you know, I was a math major for about 10 minutes. So I did the job. <laughs> It was uh, 25 years, roughly 2,400 hours a year. That adds up to 60,000 hours that my dad labored in that spot for me. He ran that marathon for, for a lot of good reasons and I was one of those good reasons. I doubt in the moment, I was thinking all of this, but I doubt in the moment that I necessarily said thank you, but I have since uh, many times, thanked him for, for laboring in that way and serving our family that way. He, he took me to the doorway and up to an attic and I never, it was there. We went up and there's this, this spacious attic in, in this old building and there were two piles there and, and he explained on the, the left to my left was a, a pile of all of his records. 25 years with neatly stacked boxes right of, of every record that the company had right so they stored them wow. and again kind of represented his labors all for all those years. And on the right there was this Uh, uh, it's like a a storeroom in a furniture store, right? There's the new appliances and and, and furnishings and there's some white sheets covering it to to keep the dust off. I'm like, what, what is that? And and my dad explained, he said, some trucker tragedy I had to store their, some of their belongings up there and they had actually someone paying a nominal amount of rent to, to keep, you know, these brand new items sitting in an act dusty attic, right? And, and in that moment, there's another thought that, that occurred to me. <clears throat> I was viewing all of life in those days through a brand new set of lenses, even before I had glasses or lenses, And it was heavily informed by the teachings of Jesus. Right? And so I immediately thought of, of the, the symbolism in those two piles there. right? This, the, the, I couldn't help but look at that. But that tragic kind of story, and say how sad and what a waste. And looking at my dad's pile, you know, kind of the, the opposite kind of conclusion. You may be familiar with the parable of the talents. <clears throat> a master leaves for a journey for a very long time, right, and entrusts talents to three servants. Five to one, right? Five talents, to, and, and the talent we you know just was lost. <clears throat> And if you remember how that story goes, what did the servants with five and two talents do? They got a return on their investment, right? Five and two talents. And and when the master returned, his verdict was, um, you have been faithful with a little. I'm going to put you in charge of a lot. Enter into the joy of your master. It's a happy uh, moment, right? But to the, the servant that was given one talent, what did they do? They, they buried the talent right? And, and for whatever reasons, buried the talent. Master comes back and, and said this, you wicked and slothful servant, take the talent away and give it to the one that has ten. Such teachings really, you know, kind of informed my own newfound sense of of God giving us purpose and that, that our work, everything matters, enable me to see the symbolism there. Um, one day our master will return and we will all give an account. Our first stop this morning, it's, a, it's simple, but it, it's so profound. Um, it's a determination that we need to make if we have not already to not waste what we've been given. We have been given much, and there's a, there's a stewardship, right? There, there's there's a responsibility that comes with gifting, and certainly with spiritual gifts. And so, uh, first out, so profoundly important um, to determine that we not waste uh, our gifts. Now, this is a rather vast topic, right? And and so this could easily become a message. So we're going to fly over a number of questions, and we're going to zoom a little bit on some others. But here's those two stops that we'll make the, the rest of the way. We're going to look uh, briefly at biblical context of it and some definitions, the, the grammar, if you will, of, of spiritual gifts. And then we're going to look at some practical uh, considerations of practice. Now, a helpful way to approach any topic, right, is creation, fall, redemption, conservation. It's just kind of this, that, that grand arc of God's redemptive plan. You know, um, from the beginning in the garden to when you know, Jesus returns. Now, in, in creation, of course, you're familiar with early chapters in Genesis. We were made in the image and likeness of God, and we were given dominion, and we were told to be fruitful and to multiply. Here's a, for our purposes, a sentence that I want to just highlight, Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So there is this idea we're serving God. We have a place, a role, if you will, in in the grand scheme. And that's all intact there, and it's healthy. Work is good. Work is good. Um, Whether providing, creating, maintaining, building, cultivating, we are imaging God when we work. And to partner with God is a glorious thing. So the terrible effects of the fall. Again, you all are familiar with this, Genesis 3. Um, were removed from God's presence, which is the most tragic, devastating um, stroke of, of judgment in that moment. Uh, but the ramifications were also severe. And the one, again, for our purposes to highlight here, is in Genesis three seventeen. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Companies close. Crops are devastated by drought. Right? In our lives, so work is hard. You know, by and large, that's a conclusion that I think we draw pretty quickly. But sin is utterly skewed God's good design. There natural tendency here to despise work or to make too much of work, for it to become almost an obsession and and just start the main thing at the expense of other things. That's what sin has done, and it's it's, it's ruined, infected, uh, polluted, uh, a healthy sense uh, of work, and we're likely to head in one of those two directions uh, if the Lord is not there to be. And thank God for Jesus, right? And this is where redemption comes into the picture. Through Jesus... He restores our relationships, and he begins to redeem idea and our understanding of work. And, and Nick was really alluding to that grace is the key word. If there's a word that we need to consider, uh, uh, a, a part of God's redemption, right? The redemptive plan is the word grace. Um, consummation, you heavens new earth, you will serve God there. We're not going to just be sitting around, okay? So, a sermon for another day, but um, let's talk about grace for just a bit more. Uh, helpful to to play off of Ephesians two, uh, eight through ten. It's, it might be a familiar passage to you already right? says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it's the gift of God, gift of God. Not and the word there is a general word for gift. It, it's it's Doron lines with more on yes. Um, <laughs> Gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. And then it goes on. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, all by grace we're saved, but there's a grace extends to, again, redeem this idea of work and to breathe life literally into the whole concept, including the power. When, when the, in the Bible, when we talk about grace and, and gifts of the spirit, it always references God's power. And so not only, you know, work, uh, apart from grace, untethered life, all uphill, right? This is uphill and, and, and fall down and all of that. It's different as it we really engage with this and understand it and see that God is giving us power and strength and abilities that we didn't have. It's, it's redeeming work. It's not all uphill. There are times when, when God's glory will break through simply because he's in the middle of it, over it, all around it, you know, and, and that's the way that it works. Now, if I was to, I love the, the definition. Nick included Sandstone's definition in that paragraph. Check that out in your bulletin for sure. It's a very good book. But I wanted to, to offer another definition. Uh, that's a little shorter, and it plays <laughs> off of Jesus' uh, and of life, and the blessed to give. For by grace, Harris, you have been saved through faith, sorry, I'm sorry. by grace, having gifts, had, uh, I lost my place, just a second. There it is. For by grace, you have been given spiritual gifts so that we might engage in good works that glorify God and powerfully bless it others others and we are blessed as we use our gifts. And here's the, the verse of, in Romans 12 that will play off of: having gifts, charisma, that differ according to the grace, charis, same word. So, so this grace that you see from God, charis is uh, a manifestation of it is these spiritual gifts. Uh, in the, in the, in the, we have been given spiritual gifts. Um, let us use them. And they are an extension, if you will, of God's redeeming work. Okay. question that might arise sure. though, is what's the difference between the natural gift, so-called natural gift, and spiritual gift? Mm. It's a very good question. And it's a little more challenging to answer than in the first
1: What do they have in common? Mm. Well,
0: every good and perfect gift is from above, right? James So every Gift comes from God, so that's where natural gifts, spiritual gifts, same source, uh, and then God also sovereignly makes these determinations. Same for both, right? God chooses, designs, decides uh, who receives what and what talents are what you How are they different? This is where it gets kind of interesting. Talents are bestowed at birth, right? We receive. Uh, these talents and we kind of discover them along the way and and you're either a good musician or you're not or you're you know you have administrative abilities or you don't or you know there's it becomes pretty evident that we have these talents that that are inborn and that there they are spiritual gifts are bestowed in our spiritual birth so there's a parallel but when does our did our spiritual birth happen right that's where it gets a little murky because some of you don 't know exactly when you first believed you were maybe four years old, others of us were twenty one years old and there's a there's a able an ability at twenty one to kind of see what 's going on a little more to discern this new download than there is at age four if that makes sense right so if you're administratively gifted and I'm sure there are some administrative gifted people here and you became a Christian at age four, then you're like is this a natural gift or a spiritual gift and what i would say to that is maybe it doesn't matter so much because every gift is from god right the key is have i surrender or offered my gift up to the lord and am i drawing on god's resources as i execute the plan as i engage in like my dad in the, at the desk you know am i praying and asking for that kind of unction, right? The, his power even to, to work through my work. I think that's a safe way to look at the gifts, especially if you're like, is this natural, spiritual? Maybe that's a, an unnecessary question to pursue much further than, God, here's my, the, what you've given me, and, and please bless people, right? Help me to be a builder, someone who blesses, and, and maybe that's the most important the other thing is, spiritual gifts are not static. There is a, an ability that God gives us to negotiate a little bit. Uh, and to say, and it's in 1 in Corinthians, twelve. will begin the text a little bit here in a moment, but to say, Lord, I don't have this, but I want to ask you to give me that gift, right? Uh, and I've actually done that before in, in my life. But here's the thing. If you're going to ask for a gift, you're also asking for more responsibility so they know what you're asking for a little bit mm-hmm. you you ask for more well we're, we're kind of responsible for more potentially okay so there's a little bit of a we have to work that one out first um but um, I, to kind of in the lane that God gave me as I've kind of figured it out discovered it over time and he we revealed some things I asked for more within that lane and God has sometimes said no and God has sometimes said yes. Um, one of the things that is really interesting, and I'll, I'll throw this little just kind of anecdotally, there's a there's a time when I was asking for a little more in, in this lane that I'm running in, right? And I and shortly after I'm at a conference, I don't know a soul there, but there's a bunch of Christians who are worshiping, and this woman about my age comes up to me at some point and says, Can I pray for you? And I said, Okay, sure. And and she prays, and she prays for the exact thing that I have been praying for, you know, that God would give me. And I'm like, wow, okay. And then guess what happened? I could tell that that gift had been given after that. So, so there's a whole question. This is a, one of those other times. Like, how does this happen exactly? Well, it often happens. We, we can minister to one another and bless one another and pray for one another. And, and that's, that's, a, that's partly gifting and calling, right? Where we can impart, perhaps, all under God's sovereignty, a gift. That's exactly what happened to me. So just to, it's not a static thing. That's kind of cool, um, but it's also a little can be kind of windy. Uh, and lastly, um, uh, spiritual gifts are empowered by the Holy Spirit. I've already highlighted that. Um, that's what we want to, uh, you know, say, Lord, uh, not my strength, Your strength. Um, uh, and, and certainly, underneath all around this is a, not my glory, your glory, and I think one of the things that I, I always do before I go asking for anything is I, I invite the Holy Spirit to search my motives and to say what 's going on in there? Um, because I will always surface and see some poor motives and those are the things that I got to go that've got at least died. just need to be put to death. Um, what are my motives? what are my good and holy and pure motives and I, I, it'll be a process for me sometimes again kind of that negotiationals if you will with the Holy Spirit <clears throat> let me highlight what the gifts are really uh, quickly I'll try to be fasted and again this is needs to be fasted but uh, hopefully you will see yourself in there and you'll say oh there's my gift or, or gifts but but there are four passages that are highlighted when it comes to this topic, primarily the one that we just heard, and then a couple of others. <clears throat> and here we go. I'm just going to read, uh, and there's some re- they repeats a bit. Some of the just are repeated. I'm just going to read uh, the list as they are, and then we'll go on. First Corinthians 12:14 identifies apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healings, helps, administration, tongues. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, one of those. Uh, faith, distinguishing between spirits, interpretation of tongues, Romans 12. Um, and by the way, uh, word of wisdom, I think that woman at the conference had a word of wisdom given and said, pray for that, for that guy. I think that's what it, that gift looks like. How can the world, could she know that? Uh, the Lord gave her something in real time. Uh, in order to, to bless her. The... the um, Romans 12, prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy. Ephesians 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then I'll read 1 Peter 4. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. We return to that father. Show hospitality to one another, as each has received a gift, charisma. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace, charisma. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves with the strength that God supplies, in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By my count, that's 21 explicit gifts through reference to those passages. Okay. Um, I think there's some implicit gifts too in the scriptures. I'll just quickly how that. This is debatable. This is like, hey, what do you know? I um, think there's another 10 or so that are almost explicit, very implicit. Craftsmanship, that's an Old Testament uh, category. Interpreting dreams. Uh, think of Joseph in. Um, intercession. Oh my God, I love the intercessors in my in life that have labored in visible ways. Intercession, I believe, is a spiritual gift. Preaching. Um, it's interesting that teaching is referenced in these explicitly. But when the disciples, when Jesus went out, they, they were. It says they were preaching and teaching. But teaching and preaching are different things. Uh, there's, there's overlap there, right? Every preacher is teaching, but not every teacher is preaching. If that makes sense. So there's different gifts of um, preaching, um, encouragement, um, marriage or celibacy, hospitality, musical worship leaders, members, artists, visionaries. There's a number of gifts that I believe are, are there, but they're not explicit. And, and I'm my encouragement is where I land here, is not to put God in the box. Why, why should we? But and I think of silly kind of Illustration, but um, I don't know if someone here might know, have a ballpark on how many bird species there are. Anyone have any idea how many bird species there are out <laughs> there? Thousands. Thousands. You are absolutely correct, <laughs> Stephen. That's right. <laughs> um, that was my word of knowledge. You know, <laughs> Uh, uh 10,000. Rough, you know, give or take what? Hundreds, thousands? I don't know. 10,000. You think about that, and, and if you pull up some, some photos, some of them are pretty funky, and some of them are hilarious. And there's even there's a vulture that I'm like, that's just wrong. <laughs> and Guys, that was just like that thing is just wrong. But the parts, everything that's gross, is kind of gross kind on of his beak. And I'm like, oh you know, it's like, Thank God I'm Was having some fun that day. But, um, if God kind of went off in birdland, how much so, more so? Does he enjoy his kind of creative thing with the about his people? And the way that I think that, that that looks is not that there's thousands of gifts, you know, whatever the number of gifts are, but it's not every teaching gift is the same. Not everybody who shows mercy looks the same. Right? It, it just and, and so helpful to know it's like, especially because we are prone, we're gonna look for a minute, you know, at comparing ourselves. And maybe feeling insecure about you know what gift we have or what it looks like or you know, that's just the way we kind of go. And so, um, yeah, let's not put God in the box here. And that's where it gets really the fun. The whole topic. I'm just going to mention this super brief, but uh, cessationism versus continualism, and that is, you know, do all the gifts still are they still operative for the church? That's a fair question. It's a good question. Um, I I will just uh, say that that I I landed very uh, solidly on the idea that all of the gifts are still at play. And and our experience really uh, informs heavily, right? The reason I can be so confident about that at this point in my life is that I've seen, experienced uh, just about every kind of manifestation, every gift that's listed. I've seen it all. In fact, when you come think of the gift of healing, um, there's a, a, a family member, right, extended family. This is a fresh testimony that has been so enormously encouraging, but they were healed of three things and, and medically kind of verified things like a week or two ago. Yeah. And, and there's a long story that this, uh, this guy was rear-ended at severe accident, which triggered a lot of health issues um, exacerbating kidney stuff and hearts and vision. I mean, it was, he's had a rough go for 12 years. And, and God showed up in all those arenas and, and kind of a verifiable thing and, and did a human work in him. And it came after he's in a, a, a Bible study with a bunch of men, 40 men. They've been, he's kind of been letting them into his life and they prayed. And that he attributes it to their prayers. Uh, we have a, a situation where we still are, are wide open to God uh, doing a healing work in our son's life in different ways. We continue to pray for that. Why? Be, because we've seen it before, not so much, but because we believe that God still works in these ways and He uses the members of the body of Christ, and we're still open to it. So that's kind of how we view that that whole topic. I want to uh, get yeah even more practical here to close. Um, let's look at First Corinthians twelve. Um, so where God saves us, right? He brings us into community. He gives us. What could possibly go wrong? Like, well, some things could go wrong. <laughs> and and you just know that the Corinthian church was an absolute mess. Some mess. Um, Paul identifies, I think it's like 10 bad behaviors um, in his his letters and and they're just struggling mightily and a lot of their struggle has to do with this topic Um, and there's a lot of comparison going on and and, and division and it's just ugly So, so fortunately for us they were struggling so much because Paul addresses all of those things kind of heads it off at the past ideally for us, right? So Here's what we're to look at. First in verse 14, if you want to look along, you can and just listen. I'll repeat what's already been read. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand I'm not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear... Where would be the sense of smell? What is the vibe here from someone that's expressing this kind of thing? The vibe is, I, I feel kind of useless actually in community here. Not seeing anything all that remarkable, you know, in in my life. Any my contribution, I think, is nil. Uh, uh, you know, I, I do. I really even am I a part of? You know, that's the kind of vibe that that Paul. Is addressing, and maybe it's because here's here's the bottom line, right? In in this, this conversation, some gifts are more noticeable, yes, but some are more impactful than others. Are they less valuable though? Absolutely not. Every gift is, is valuable because God is the has offered them and he's distributed them. They all count and matter in God's eyes. It, it's not a well, the the haves and the have nots, right, in the body of Christ. That should not ever be our perspective in any way, shape, or form uh, in the body of Christ. And so Paul goes to really tries to correct that. Um, our pride can contribute, right, comparing, especially so you live and work in working, this city, not a good idea, it does not usually go well. I've shared this before at times. When I first heard Nick teach, I'm like, oh man, dang. You know, and I and I was like, you know, I was in a position of comparing myself teaching wise to Nick and going, Do I even have any? Should I be teaching at all? He would kind of visit those questions. You'd be in the same, Bible says, painful. It's like he <laughs> <laughs> like, would go on and he had this library in his hand. Like, and I would just, <laughs> <laughs> it was unhelpful for me to compare myself. Right to Nick. And, and fortunately, I was old enough, was old enough to kind of process that and work that out. Uh, but but here's where that can easily be said, right? The disciples were arguing at one point about like, who's the greatest? James and John, like, well, we're we're more gifted, we're greater, like Jesus pay more attention to us, right? And and mom was giving the sis which is like, <laughs> you know, so and, and and of course Jesus aware of all this is like. <laughs> just don't do that. The um, <laughs> Paul also, you see, in in the letters and epistles, he's kind of self conscious, you know, and and feel it sounds a little insecure. But I think he's just giving fatherly kind of correction. But but people were comparing him to Apollos, and this is not reading between the lines. Who is a, a wonderful orator, and Paul was not so great right up That's in the text. You, you piece it together, and and here we're studying Paul's writings. His teaching and the dude was I'm present in person. So what is going on with That's remarkable. You know, young men would fall asleep and die. They would fall out windows and die when they <laughs> listen to them. And I'm like, how hilarious is that? Uh, it, it kind of brings up this other point. It's like, why does God not just dump a bunch of gifts on us? Because I don't think we can handle it honestly i think our ego my I trip over my ego in a hurry and i start to think i was pretty special and, and and i just don't think that god really wants to set us up almost for that kind of temptation to mega give people and and, and that's why there's to be no like stars and, and it's like no no we just we kind of honor it you know, at, at all contributions right so anyway um so paul takes that on and says you all matter. um, It serve and, and do it with all of your hearts, and it counts, right? The second uh thing that we can do is show partiality. i already ready this explain this. Verse 21, let's pick that up. The eye yeah, cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Parts that we think are less vulnerable. We treat the special order. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor than the parts applied it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I love that. Um, there are non-simple differences that we have, right? And, and we ideally are going to respect and to honor those and to appreciate them. Um, some gifts have more impact than others. Um, and here's a, here's a way that we can easily stumble is if there's a, a in, in our leadership, and as you guys are identifying leaders, if there's a, a little bit of a gift skew in one direction, you know, to that group of leaders, then the church is in danger of being kind of misshapen and having this this massive arm and bicep over here, and the other arm is just atrophied <laughs> and hanging there. Literally, that's I mean, so so taking care, right? To go, you know, are we experiencing all that God is is giving us? Are we encouraging right those gifts to be surfaced and, and manifest? And when we do, again, it gets it gets so fun because of the and the pistons start to fire, right? And um, it's very cool. Um, so how do we discover Uncovered Spiritual Gifts? Here's a couple of tips, I guess. First is, we should pray and ask God to reveal them to us if we don't already know what they are. It's amazing to me how often I just don't pray about things that are important in my life. This is an important one. We should pray and say, Lord, what did you call me to do? How am I supposed to serve? Where's, where's the gift lie? I don't know, right? And so, and here's the good news. God, loving Father, designing us for good works, right, is not going to hide this from us. He's not going to make you labor forever to try to figure it out. In fact, when we begin to jump in and serve the community, that's another point. Jump in and serve the community and, and where there's a need jump in and serve and and what you'll discover like i have and multitudes others that i'm not very good at that (laughs) or that was fun and you pay more attention to where you see some passion and some some results maybe some fruit if you will if there's a place where it just comes pretty naturally to you and you're looking around and go it's not really coming naturally to my friend over here but it is to me those are wonderful signs that God has given you and value with the gift. And that's where you, you, you pursue, you narrow in a little bit and go, okay, I'm going to serve a little more over here to check this out. Right. Another thing that's super helpful is that when other people kind of offer unsolicited kind of feedback or encouragement, uh, they just say, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll just use Nick because he's the one that we all know. And, but we say, you know, in a, He's heard this probably so many times, but early on, I'm sure it's helpful when when people older or whatever would say, Nick, I just said, yeah, really have a powerful teaching gift there, right? a preaching gift. When that's the kind of feedback that we wanna give to one another. And, And by the way, and this is, again, this is what's so exciting. That's ministry in our midst to one another, ministering to one another. And those of you with exhortation, encouraging, just go crazy. We all need that. Oh my goodness, we need that. All of us need to be encouraged to hang in, to stay with it, to you know, get up when we've fallen down. Those of you with the gift of exhortation, please go crazy in our right? that's how it works. Um, uh, ask for feedback. Um, and, and as you get on track and begin uh, another really wise thing to do, right, is to find a mentor, someone who's gifted in a similar same way, and, and, and hang out with them a little bit and, and just and, and push. I encourage you to develop and kind of push. And, and because why? Because we want to be fruitful. Because it glorifies God. And when you find your lane, it is the most exciting, pleasurable thing. Um, and, and some of you have, have discovered that all ready. Um, being full of the spirit is a big deal as well talk um, My dad's literal records uh, returning to that story were boxedville very neatly were a beautiful snapshot of a, a faithful and conscientious life of, of work. Um, his faith informed his integrity and uh, and he was a very methodical artist He's 93. Very methodical, which made him an excellent accountant. Um, every year, uh, without fail, augers would come. It was a big deal around our house. And they would descend on the, the company, right? And they would scour uh, all of the records and the books. And every single time, my dad uh, passed and his, his uh, colleagues passed with flying colors. You know where that, that idiom comes from, flying colors? It's, it's when ships victorious in battle, were returning home, and they, they would raise their flags proudly and wave them, right, as, as a, a, a form of saying um, victory, right, and, and, and a kind of a coming home. And um, so I, the well did, done, but did sermon is what we all long to hear, right, one day, and um, maybe we will be one in such a manner. Have you ever missed to not end with this morning? There is a gift that is accessible to all of us that we can give to one another and to our communities that is greater than any of the gifts that we just read and listened. And some of you know where this is going. Um, Paul built this in to his three-chapter little essay on spiritual gifts. Dead center is 1 Corinthians 13. And it goes like this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. If I have prophetic powers and have, you know all mysteries and all understanding and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away everything that I have and deliver my body over to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind, is not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, then we should see to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be fully known, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, love, abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love.